Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Kickoff, brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my producer and croissant maker, Brendan Tuma. It's the Thursday morning edition of The Kickoff, guys, which means it is time to talk about my top five things I'm looking out for on Thursday night football. But before we do, let's talk about the Stefan Diggs signed helmet giveaway that we are doing. Just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or CastBox. Then go to fantasypros.com slash kickoff. Subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash fantasypros. That will get you three times the number of entries. Also, let's go to football games, all right? And let's save a little money. Go to TickPick. They don't charge service fees, guys. They just guarantee the best prices on tickets to NFL games. That means if you find a better price for a ticket on another site, they're going to give you 110% of the total purchase price. And no service fees means that what you see is what you get. It's not like they're going to add on $20 a ticket like you see when you go to another site. They've saved their users over $55 million. Now they have teamed up with Zip. You can buy now, pay later for all your tickets. Just choose Zip at checkout. Split your ticket purchase into four different installments. All you got to do is download the TickPick app. Use the code PROS for $10 off your first order. When you select Zip at checkout, again, that is code PROS, $10 off your first order. When you download the TickPick app and select Zip at checkout. All right, before we talk about things I'm watching on Thursday Night Football, let's run through the big news items from yesterday. Justin Fields has been named the starter for week three against the Browns. Now, Matt Nagy says that Andy Dalton is still the starter when he's healthy, and we talked about this a little earlier this week. Dalton's probably not going to be healthy for a while. That means absolutely nothing, even if he is healthy, if Fields is playing well. And Fields is currently my QB 14 for the week, taking on Cleveland. So he is a streaming option if you have him. His rushing upside should provide a pretty safe floor. Carson Wentz has not yet been ruled out for week three against the Titans, with his ankle sprains. He's a tough dude. He's going to try to play through this, but he admitted that he has pain. One of the ankles is a high ankle sprain. You know that's usually a few weeks. I cannot imagine he is able to suit up for this game against the Titans, but he did come back earlier than expected from his foot injury in the offseason, so you never know. If it's Jacob Eason, though, you have to downgrade the entire offense, including Jonathan Taylor. Tua Vailoa has fractured ribs, and he is not going to play in Week 3 versus the Raiders. Now, this contradicts an earlier report, which said that the x-ray showed no fractures, but this is what it is. You have to assume he's going to be out for at least the foreseeable future, and you have to downgrade all your Dolphins, considering Jacoby Brissett is now the quarterback, including Will Fuller, who returned to practice as expected after he returned to the team facility on Monday. This now sounds like he's going to play this weekend against the Raiders, which is a little surprising to me. I mean, it sounded last week suddenly like we don't know if he's ever going to play this year for the Dolphins. So this is a nice change. And Jacoby Brissett can throw it deep. So there's always a chance that Fuller pops one. But either way, he's a flex play at best this weekend against the Raiders. Antonio Brown was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Now, he actually did test positive, but he is vaccinated, as are all the Bucks. So that means that he just needs to test negative twice, 24 hours apart, to be eligible for Sunday's game against the Rams. But considering he just tested positive, that seems unlikely. And Adam Schefter had a tweet out that basically said exactly that. So for planning purposes, you should probably expect to be without Brown this weekend against the Rams. And you can bump up a little Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski from where you would have had them. You know what we need, guys? We need an update on the 49ers running back situation. Elijah Mitchell did not practice with his shoulder injury. Trey Sermon did practice, but he was limited and in a no-contact jersey, still in the league's protocol. Jermichael Hasty 
did not practice with his ankle injury. And they signed Chris Thompson to the practice squad, so everything is awesome. It is an effort in futility to try to predict what's going to happen this weekend right now for the 49ers at running back. For me personally, and the way I have it ranked, I'm still expecting Mitchell to be able to go. I think it was a stinger. I think they're just being careful. And I'm ranking him as an RB2, but you have to wait before you make any decisions. Derek Carr practiced in full from his ankle injury, and he is, quote, ready to go per John Gruden. So I'm expecting him to be fine against Miami. Josh Jacobs remained sidelined during Wednesday's practice with his ankle injury. I'm expecting him to not play against Miami. Ben Roethlisberger may still play on Sunday, but his throws are causing pain with his pectoral injury. I am sure that the team is going to try to lean on Najee Harris against the Bengals, and the passing game may look more like it did last year with a really low average depth of target. That's not really good for anybody, including Deontay Johnson, who did not practice with his knee injury, although he avoided a major injury. His status for this weekend is still uncertain, but given his history of toughing out these injuries, I think you can probably expect him to go. Dalvin Cook didn't practice with his injured ankle, but this does not sound concerning, and if he returns to practice Thursday, that's going to put him on track to play in Week 3 versus Seattle, and I think we can expect that. T. Higgins didn't practice with the shoulder injury, but there's nothing to suggest he's going to miss this game. And Antonio Gibson was limited in practice with his shoulder injury. Also no reason to expect him to miss this game this weekend. Finally, Odell Beckham Jr. was a, quote, full go in Wednesday's practice per Kevin Stefanski. This is something we touched on last week when he was declared out. It could be that they just didn't want him to push himself in a game that they knew they were probably going to win. And the plan all along had been to get him going here in week three. So for now, expect Odell Beckham Jr. to practice and play and be fine. I have him ranked right now at wide receiver 31, so he's going to be a wide receiver three for me, particularly with Jarvis Landry out. Finally, Evan Ingram returned to a limited practice with his calf injury. You're not starting Evan Ingram, even if he goes, but I wouldn't be surprised if he takes one more week just to make sure he's 100%. All right, let's talk about the top five things I'm looking out for during Thursday night football. Now, I will just be honest with you guys. This is not a football game filled with like fascinating storylines or anything, but it's football. So it's always worth watching and we can always learn something. So what am I watching out for? Number one, what happens to Brandon Cooks with Davis Mills at quarterback? Cooks has been great through two games, okay? Five catches, 132 yards in week one against the Jaguars. Nine catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown in week two against the Browns. He leads the team with 21 targets. So how many targets do you think the next closest player on the Texans has? 15? 12? No, six. Six targets. David Johnson, Danny Amendola, and Farrell Brown all with six. And this is kind of why we talked about Cooks potentially being undervalued in draft season, right? He's done it every year, regardless of quarterback or team. And with that amount of target volume it's almost impossible to not be fantasy relevant. Or is it? We're going to find out tonight because the Texans are going to be playing from behind. The Panthers have a good secondary with J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson. If Cooks can succeed here, he can probably succeed most weeks. As for me, even with Davis Mills at quarterback, I'm still starting him as a wide receiver three. Number two, is Robbie Anderson going to get more involved in this Panthers offense? Anderson has nine targets and four catches on the year for 95 yards. His value has generally been saved by that 57-yard touchdown he caught in week one in what amounted to basically a busted coverage. All right, so he's got nine targets, as I said. DJ Moore has 19. Christian McCaffrey has 15. Terrace Marshall Jr. also has nine targets. 
Dan Arnold has seven. Nine targets is not going to cut it. So is this what we've got going forward? Four and a half targets per game? Because last year it was eight and a half targets. Now, maybe this is just fluky. It's been two games. Let's not draw any firm conclusions. But maybe the return of Christian McCaffrey and the continued develop of DJ Moore have changed Carolina's offense a bit. And that is borne out by some of the data. I mean, Sam Darnold has seven and a half intended air yards per attempt and 5.1 average completed air yards. That's really low, guys. And that probably hurts someone like Anderson, whose success with Darnold in New York came by way of deep targets. Anderson is more like a high-end flex for me rest of season. And even with the juicy matchup here against the Texans, he stays only at wide receiver 42. Number three, was Sam Darnold really just a victim of Adam Gase and a terrible Jets team? Darnold has looked great so far. As I just said, he's not pushing the ball down the field, but 68.5 completion percentage, 100.5 passer rating, 8 yards per attempt. That was just 6.6 with the Jets. And week one was against the Jets, but 305 yards passing against the Saints team. I mean, even one with injuries, that is meaningful. So is this a Ryan Tannehill situation where you escape Adam Gase and suddenly you are a very, very competent passer? I don't really know. And really, I don't think we're going to know after this matchup, during which I do expect Darnold to thrive. Now, if he does, suddenly next week against Dallas, and then after he plays Philly games against the Vikings, the Giants, and the Falcons, Sam Darnold could become a prime streaming option. Or he could fall on his face later tonight, or in see ghosts. If so, then we can probably move on. Number four, I want to see what the Texans running game looks like. So through two games, David Johnson has nine carries. Philip Lindsay, 13, and Mark Ingram, 40. 40 carries in two games for Mark Ingram. I know they played from ahead against the Jaguars, and he got 26 carries, but still, 14 last week. And you assume with Mills at quarterback that the Texans are going to want to continue to control the ball on the ground, right? I mean, Carolina has been great against the run so far. You saw the Saints, and you saw Alvin Kamara last week. But if the Texans are going to give Mark Ingram 15 to 20 carries per game, then Fantasy managers have to at least pay a little attention regardless of the matchup. Looking at their upcoming schedule with Buffalo, New England, Indianapolis, Arizona, and the Rams, maybe they don't, but still, it's worth watching. And finally, I want to see whether the Carolina DST is legitimate. I, nobody talks about DSTs, guys. I mean, that's a big part of your team. I hate to say it. Everyone, including me, is recommending Carolina's DST this week. They rank fifth for me currently. I'm debating whether or not to move them to fourth ahead of either the Browns or the Cardinals, but either way, you are starting them. Put aside the matchup, the DST has been great. Third highest scoring DST in the league, three turnovers, and more importantly, 10 sacks. They played the Jets and the Saints fine, but Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick are elite pass rushers, and we already mentioned Horn and Jackson. They're great in coverage. Now they get Houston, which is led by Mills. They should be ripe for the picking, despite the fact that Houston's actually given up the fewest fantasy points to opposing DSTs. Corky stat there to start off the season. But this game is a chance to figure out whether this is more than just a mere streaming defense. Upcoming matchups, again, include Dallas, Philadelphia, Minnesota. They're not ones you really want to target as a DST, but with this being the solo game on Thursday and us being allowed to watch it and nothing else, I'm really interested in just sitting and watching them play and figuring out whether this is a long-term option at the position. And that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks again to TickPick. Remember, download the app, use the code PROS, and get $10 off your first order when you select ZIP at checkout. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning.